0: hello and welcome back to mls bench podcast this week i'm your host to matt and i'm joined by andres to talk through some of the major storylines in major league soccer for this week andres how are you doing
1: doing well Matt. thanks man good to good to be back on for
0: another week absolutely and a lot going on in in the all of the matches truly this week but We've got a handful of matches and performances that we really want to kind of dig into and kind of prepare us for the upcoming rivalry week. Where do you want to start us off?
1: You know, I think we can start off in chronological order. And the first first match of the weekend, was Seattle traveling to Toronto, uh, a rematch of th- three MLS cups, and I thought it was you know from the get go really interesting that Metzger decided not to travel. You know about half of his starters um after a disappointing performance at Montreal. Um and yet, you know, they still come away with, with
0: three points. So
1: yeah, let's let's start there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this was uh, in Toronto and like Andre says, uh, no obviously no um Rui Diaz, but no Rostock in this match. Uh Roe does not start. It's it's a lot of really, really young talent and it's it, like at this point, what can't Seattle do, right? Like, to get this kind of level. So we have a goal from Dylan Tevish, who, you know, is kind of channeling Carlos with his goal in the 39th minute against a Toronto side that's absolutely struggling. Um, there's, there's a lot to like about this Seattle side and the fact that they're getting this, this level of performance like, from not even Stephen Fry in this match. It was Stephen Cleveland. Like, what what do you what do you see from the Seattle side?
1: And on that first goal, um, you know, it was it was a long ball to I believe it was Medranda who kind of plays it over to Leo Chu, and Chu just burns Carlos Carlos Alcedo on the on the left wing, and and you know Salcedo not you know doesn't probably want to be out there, but you know Chu kind of hesitates, takes him down to the byline. Um, and gets the cross in and it it ended up being Tevez who finished but it also could have been Montero who was free Um, so part of that is you know the talent level that that Seattle brings even with the reserve guys or with some of the younger guys but some of that is you know Toronto and and kind of where Toronto's at and how disorganized they can be sometimes at the back Um, and unfortunately you know some of the performances from their quote-unquote DPs and not quite living up to the to the billing right now
0: absolutely uh, I, carlos salcedo is one that you brought up right there um there are some reports right now that toronto might be trying to get out of that contract and there's also definitely some some family uh, emergencies going on for carlos at the moment so hope all is well there he's down in mexico at the moment um and it, it cannot be easy to have issues not being able to bring your family up to Toronto to uh, be with you. And then I believe his wife also just gave birth to their second son. So it's, it's a rough go of things for Salcedo at the moment. So I hope everything's all right. But it is also true that Toronto is making some major, major moves. So I kind of wanted to, with, with this performance in mind, ask you if any of these, you think, really solve anything for Toronto. Uh, does does Lorenzo Insigne move the needle for you?
1: Oh, Insigne, in and of itself, I think is is a huge addition. I'm not sure how healthy he is. Um, there's already reports that he's going to miss another few weeks. He won't debut this week, um, and that's kind of been the thing with him lately. And it and it's a running theme with this Toronto team. Th- with this Toronto team, I think I have a a huge issue with the construction as it is right now. They've got too many guys on that team contributing that ages start with either a three or a one. So they've got five teenagers um, that they're counting on in Thompson, in Kerr, in Nelson. Um, and then they've got a couple of guys over 30, of course, Mavinga, of course, Bradley. Um, even even Puzuelo, who's not, not going to be there anymore, he's already 30, and so is Osorio. So... You know, Insigne and Crushido <clears throat> both are over thirty as well. Excuse me. Crushido <clears throat> I think is thirty-six or something 35. like that. So Thirty-five. So Crushido's thirty five, Insigne's thirty-one. Um, you know, it seems like Bernard Esky is coming in from Juventus. I think that's that's definitely an upgrade and it's a little bit younger. Um, but I'm I'm a little bit confused as to why these win now type moves when if I'm Toronto, I'd be looking at Probably some low, you know, early 20s type DPs that you can you can have come in and develop along with all of these pretty talented younger guys and complete this uh, roster teardown that they they started um, because I, I don't see, you know, Insigne or Cushito or even Bernardeschi necessarily coming in and changing, you know, what this season is, is like for them.
0: How do you see that? Absolutely. It? The one thing I will say about those moves is, and, and we're also going to be able to touch on this with Posuella leaving for Enter miami uh, for a whopping 150000 in allocation money, which seems insane for a guy who was an MLS MVP two years ago, but we'll get into that in a, in a minute. Um, Bob Bradley, as a coach, has always tended to play out of a 4-3-3, and the talent and and you know some of the, the system that has been there for a long time does not work in that shape. And that's where it just seems like everything is six to eight months late because he comes in at the beginning of this season and he has a true number ten in Pozuelo who will not do the, the defensive work that a Bradley style midfielder will have to do. Um you have, if, you're, if you want to play out of a four three three, 3 3 you have Michael Bradley, who at this point cannot cover the ground for a single pivot in a, in a Bob Bradley midfield. Unfortunately, I think that's,
1: that's you just hit on a, pretty much a major point. Michael Bradley, at this point, I'm, he has value for infinite reasons in terms of mentorship, in terms of he, he still is good on the ball, but as a single pivot number six. Not gonna, not gonna work at this point.
0: Yeah, and you have Oso in there who can cover a little bit of the ground, but again, he he wants to be a late arriving run in and around the box, have that ability to to get forward without being a, a massive liability defensively once that ball is turned over. And I I just do not. It's just it's a it's a very very behind the schedule roster build at this point. Now uh, uh, I, 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 I want to throw one rumor uh, or one other rumor past you to see if this does change the the needle for you. Um, I saw the the reporting first in TSN uh, and uh, someone on Twitter who I apologize whose name I'm forgetting. I don't think it was Michael Singh, but it very well could have been. What do you think happens if Mark Anthony Kay comes from Toronto to this Toronto team or from Colorado, excuse me, to this Toronto team?
1: I mean, I think it it definitely. It definitely helps, but are you changing? Are you changing shapes? I mean, are you still playing? Because I'm assuming they're going to want to play with Insigne and Bernardeschi as the wingers and Jimenez in the middle.
0: And I see, yeah, it'd have to be Bradley as a six, with Torio and be- K as eight. Yeah, but with with K having a little bit more ability to cover the additional ground, it gives Oso the ability to have a little bit further or be a little bit further up the field, uh, and hopefully Bradley is able to then just uh, play. I think that's as a as a regista and really just try and ping balls out to those wingers, which he does very very well still. Yeah, if 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 they were willing to play as in a four two three one,
1: and have Bradley be a more defensive on that, you know, more defensive of the two on that two line, maybe K as the more offensive on that two line, and then have Osorio, Insigne and Bernardeschi on the three line with, you know, a Jimenez up top. I think that could, that could work pretty well. Um, but if you're, if you're intent on playing with a single pivot, that's even with K helping, and I think he would solidify the middle. I still think it's not it's not enough, and it's unfortunately you know Mavinga and Salcedo be, behind Bradley aren't exactly. You know, Mavinga's older now as well, and and we just talked about Salcedo. So you're talking about the six and the two center backs struggling with not a lot of cover in front of them. I I think that's why unless you change the shape, it's going to be difficult to to have success right now.
0: Absolutely, and based on everything that I've, I've been reading regarding where Toronto is looking for a potential move uh, outside of Mark Anthony K they're, they're talking about trying to sign Belotti, not, you know, uh, uh, Bonucci. It's, it's just, it seems super, super top heavy and it doesn't make sense from a roster build perspective.
1: And again, they have so many guys that they brought up, you know, cozy Thompson, Ralph Priso, Jaden Nelson, Deandre Kerr. I mean, all of these guys are 18, 19, they're getting good minutes. Um, I think you'd want to pair that with some more veteran guys, but allow just kind of, you know, say, all right, you know, maybe it's not this season. Maybe it's not even next season, but have these guys get mentored, brought up and developed and bring in DPs, you know, that are 24, 25 that you know by the time they're 26 or 27 now you're pairing them with 21 year olds who have three years in the league uh, so this 32 and 19 approach i'm not understanding but
0: yeah I, i'm right there with you we'll see uh, you know i i want
1: it i want it to work because i think it's interesting but i i don't see how it does right now
0: absolutely um we did touch a little bit on the Pazuelo move uh to enter Miami. Uh just really quickly, what are you what do you feel like that will look like for Miami? Do you like the move? I mean I think
1: it's I think it's a good it's a good move. I'm I'd be a little concerned with the heat and humidity of Miami and Pasuelo not exactly known for you know huge levels of fitness, uh especially recently. So I wonder if that kind of wears him down a little bit in terms of playing 90 minutes consistently in, in that climate, but in terms of what Miami wants to do, they don't really press. Um, I think he fits in well behind Campana and Lassiter and, and, and the wingers they're playing a four, three, three there as well. Uh, and he'll be the, he'll be given the reins as the creative in, in that four, three, three, in that second three line. So I think from a, from a fit, perspective i think it's good i I, like i said i'm concerned climate wise but for 150k to get a player of that talent that you can have you know filtering balls into campana or to iguaín or to lassiter i think that's that's a nice move it's it's good business
0: absolutely um jen then just finishing up on this uh toronto seattle match uh like i said Goal from Dylan Tevish in the 39th. Goal from Freddie Montero in the 60th. Was there anything else that you really were particularly drawn to for Seattle in this match?
1: I mean, I think, I think it's interesting. We're going to touch on the next game, which, which is Vancouver LA. Um, and it was a similar setup in terms of, you know, a, one of the better teams, top two or three teams in the league going on the road to, in Canada. Um, and rotating heavily, and you know the fact that Seattle can do this and can bounce back from a from a midweek disappointment. With you know, there was no Christian Roldan in this game. Um, there was, like you mentioned, no Rusnak in this game, no Stefan Fry in this game, and they they can still find a way um, to get to get a, a a win on the road. And a lot of that's or some of that's Toronto, but I just think it's it's impressive and it shows why Seattle is consistently. Um, one of the best teams, and always finds themselves um, in good position. And come the end of the year,
0: definitely. I did want to shout out Leo Chu. I love the the work that he does coming in off of that left wing. Uh, he's obviously going to be constantly battling with um, Jordan Morris for that position, but the, having the opportunity to spell Morris to keep him healthy. I think it's going to be really, really helpful for Seattle moving forward. Cause I think they're, they're both dangerous. They both change the game, but they still both play into that system really, really well. And Seattle is still just absolutely killer on the break. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's developed into a starting level winger, a starting level caliber winger I, in a, in a MLS right now. I, I'd take him at sporting any day of the week. Uh, I think a lot of I'd also, teams, sorry, go ahead. I think a lot of teams would. Yeah. I would also absolutely take Stephen Cleveland. He uh, <laughs> there have been a couple of of different uh goalkeepers coming out of that, you know, backup to Stephen Fry who have been absolutely incredible this league in this league. I think of Tyler Miller uh, in particular. Uh Stephen Cleveland, if if a team is looking for an upgraded goalkeeper, I think he's got to be right up there for top options within the league so great great win for seattle on the road in toronto um seattle setting up for a rivalry match or a rivalry week match this uh coming weekend against portland i believe so very very exciting stuff coming from them um you mentioned our next match we're gonna move all the way across to the west coast of Canada and go to Vancouver Whitecaps with a 1-0 win over LAFC following a last-minute goal by Andres Kubas. Uh What did you see in this match? What, what makes you think this is an interesting one to run through?
1: And So it's kind of the same situation, right? You, as we just mentioned, you take a, a top team, you rotate them, uh, you make them travel to Canada, um, and you play against a team that's you know, probably considered to be a lesser team. And and in this case, I think Vancouver shows why they, they have more of a shot at being competitive or making the playoffs um, than Toronto, because there was, there was a moment early on where blessing I think it was a bad clearance and he kind of steps up and hits the post. Um, Mm. But outside of that, there wasn't a ton from LAFC. even though they had you know the majority of the possession and and vancouver was pretty pretty solid i think this is the first time that i can remember that they played with their you know what would be their best three up front with gold cavallini and white um so it's interesting that their goal comes from from their defensive midfielder um but just in general i think this is a a solid performance from vancouver um, you take the gift that you know Vela and Cifuentes and Rodriguez aren't there, and, and that Bale and Chiellini haven't gotten there yet. But yeah, I think you if you're Vancouver, you take you take you know these three points and you try to build from that. Um, and if you're LAFC, I think you brush it off and you go about your business because that's not really indicative of what you're going to be the rest of the year.
0: Absolutely, uh, I if I'm LAFC in this in the or coming off this match I'm not too torn up they controlled this match uh, I think it was 62% possession uh really they were very very dangerous they the only issue is that they did not f- actually put a shot on goal but they were peppering everything about a yard around the the woodwork uh, like you said Latif goes off the bar I believe Arango had one off the upright it it just, there's just a slight, uh, disconnect between a full strength LAFC who is putting it into the corner versus one who's putting one a foot off. Um, I do want to touch on a couple of performances that I think would be a little bit more worrying for LAFC from one player who I think is probably on the way out. Uh, I think you had, uh, uh, mentioned last week in the pod uh, blessings uh, Instagram post saying that he was not happy there. He had a really good opportunity this week to go out and make a case for himself. Uh, like you said, puts one off the upright. He was very, very lively in this match, but really, really wasteful. And and that's if you're going to get this opportunity you have to take it. So I, I was a little bit concerned with that. What what did you think of Blessing in particular in this match?
1: I thought he played pretty well. I, I think from what I understand, the, the post was a, a reference to family situation, um, not necessarily his his club situation. I mean, obviously, the fact that he's in L.A. In LA and I think his family is still back in Ghana um, and he hasn't been able to to be with them for the last couple of years, I think it's taking a toll. Um, so I'm not sure how much that's translating into, into how he's playing. Um, they played a three, five, two, which I think is interesting because if, if you have Eddie Segura back um, and I don't think you're, you're bringing Chiellini in to, to sit necessarily um, and Murillo has been good and Fall has been good and Ibiaga's is a solid, you know, backup. It makes sense to play with, with three center backs. Um, I wonder if they do that even with, with their top line guys. Uh, playing. But, you know, I think Blessing is one of these guys that if you put him in the middle of the, of the field, he's going to win balls for you and he's, you know, going to turn teams over. But he's not always super goal dangerous. And unfortunately, right, you know, in this match, LAFC needed somebody to find a breakthrough. So they were they were missing, you know, a clinical finish from from somebody. Um, and the guys that usually do that for them outside of Orango
0: weren't weren't there. Mm. Uh, I want to bring up other, one other performance in this LAFC team for turning towards Vancouver. Uh, and Maxime Cripo, we know, is an incredible goalkeeper in this league. Uh, there were just a couple of instances, uh, both when he was coming out uh, to come and collect a ball, that he just was either getting or not taking the pressure that he got or was just sloppy with his hands. And I think that both, in both cases, they led to a shot on goal. One, uh, he was, ended up forced into a really acrobatic save. Uh, I, there's just a couple of instances. I cannot claim to be a goalkeeping expert. I can't claim to be an expert in anything. But there, there were just a couple of, of sloppy seconds that he really needed to tighten up a little bit. I, I hope that we see him really, really start to... Uh, Play a little bit better and really, really control his box, especially looking forward to uh, the World Cup for Canada. So I, I, a little bit of worry there, but uh, undoubtedly still one of the top, you know, ten goalkeepers in the league. Is there and anything a, that you saw from Crippa? It's been an inter, it's been a
1: position of difficulty for LaFC, you know, the last couple of years. So I think absolutely, you know, Crippa in, in general is is an upgrade. Um, and I wonder, you know, how much. You know, being back in, in Canada and maybe maybe weighs, on, maybe weighs on you a little bit, I'm not sure. I, I don't think if it's, if it's a habit where you see these um, consistent rebounds, he's been pretty good in general. So, you know, like in general, I think LAFC, you kind of look at it the way that you would say Seattle looks at Wednesday night and just kind of shrugs it off and, and moves on um, unless it starts becoming a habit.
0: Absolutely. That's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on uh, for LAFC. I want to go ahead and go back to Toronto or to uh, Vancouver now. Excuse me. Uh, Like you said, we finally get to see that Cavalini gold white lineup. We uh, are starting to see Andres Kubas in that uh, midfield working with Russell Tibert. I actually really like this lineup. Uh, Javane Brown had an incredible 2021, a little bit, a quieter one or twenty twenty two so far, and obviously they're still struggling for health at goalkeeper. but i I'm starting to see why there's some reason for belief, especially in the spine of that team with Vasil- uh, Veselinovic, Kubas, gold. What do you see from this white caps team? Do you think that there's hope for them to try and push for one of those last couple playoff spots?
1: I mean, I think so. I, I, we saw it last year, and I think they are it- they have a higher ceiling this year than than they did last. Um, and again, they started really poorly, and they've played really well the the last few weeks. I think um, they were down near the bottom of the near the bottom of the table. I think they're two points out now. Let me check exactly wh- where we're at. Exactly two points out of of a playoff spot. And like you said, the, I think TSN was mentioning on the broadcast that this is probably santini's uh first choice 11. um and it also gives him some options off the bench with some guys that, that didn't get to start like like a dahomey or like a Nawosu. so i think it, it it also gives him some flexibility so really really excited and happy to see that what was a slow start has turned into a a solid season so far and i think if um, they can continue kind of this with this momentum, we could see similar to the end of last season where they come kind of out of nowhere and, and jump above the line.
0: Absolutely, and I this is the first match that I've really gotten to kind of key into Andres Cubas, uh, the young I believe Colombian uh, midfielder. I don't know if that's right now.
1: I'll, have uh, to, I'll, have to, I'll
0: correct myself down the road. He is from Argentina. <laughs> Argentina. So the young Argentinian midfielder, uh, who I think is actually 26. So yeah, lots of things. Um, I really, really like the friction that he's able to create through midfield. There were still a couple of instances where, you know, LAFC was able to find some space, maybe about 30 yards, 40 yards out from the Vancouver goal to pick their heads up, but I think that he brings a ton of energy to that midfield. Uh, he ends up getting this 89th minute uh, winning or er, winner uh, off of, admittedly, a really poor clearance from Iliad directly into his chest, but slots it home from about 20 yards out. I, I really, really like what he brings. I love the idea of using a DP spot at that position because we see so many designated players at the number 10 spot in this league think of lucho think of lodero think of uh, posuelo to to have a little bit of class to challenge those players i think is going to be pretty big for elliott or for vancouver so love Love. that for uh the white caps and a great great win at home um let's just close out the the canadian teams that we wanted to talk about this week uh montreal goes over to la to play the galaxy and they do not have a great night uh four nil win for the galaxy at home um we see a goal from chicharito we see a penalty from jovich uh and we see a brace from Rivellison. What did you think of this match? Did you were there any uh, players who really stood out to you in this in this tie?
1: I mean, Arajo had had a quintessential, you know, the best of what Orajo can do, getting up the wing and bringing in those low crosses. Um, you know, Rovellison was excellent, uh, Clesson off the bench really good, um, and I think we'll get into their shape here. But I th- I think that's really an interesting change. Um, with the two strikers up top. Uh, you know they' they've had trouble getting any any production out of the wingers. And Chichirito and Jovoichch have both been productive. They just haven't found a way to keep them on the field together or get them on the field together. So this is a really interesting tactical move from from Vanni.
0: i I'm so happy that they finally did this. I was running back through uh, the previous lineups in in preparing for the pod today. They've had a couple of two striker setups in the last about five weeks, but never Chicharito and Jovalich together. And I, I get it because they seem like they should be too similar in the way that they are just constantly around the box and, and trying to pick up that last ball. They work so well off of each other. It's, it's actually really, really fun to watch and it's a nightmare to defend against. Uh, and if you're getting this level of production, why, why would you want to go towards Cabral and Douglas Costa, who have not had much to offer this year? Uh, and you're getting such good width from, like you said, Julian Araujo and Raheem Edwards. I, I adore this change in shape. Uh, was there anything you wanted to touch on beyond that? My concern with the change in shape is what happens, you know, defensively. if, Are you
1: relying on, because you're you're still playing with four at the back, right? And before you were playing with with your two sixes, um, are you relying on Marky Delgado and I guess it's Ravelison just basically to clog up the middle and get back and do all the defensive work? Um, Because you don't have two designated players whose primary responsibility is defensive. And that's LA not exactly known for stellar defense the last few years that's where my concern would be is you turn the ball over in the middle of the field and arajo and edwards are up the field and you're attacking just two center backs and maybe a tracking back delgado so that's where i'd be concerned but i think in terms of what they have in on the roster and production right now it makes total sense to go with this formation change
0: yeah uh LA Galaxy did announce this week that they have signed uh, Gaston Brugman, who I believe is a Uruguayan midfielder. Uh, he's been in Parma for the last couple of seasons, uh, although on loan occasionally to uh, Real Oviedo last year. So hopefully or they're definitely trying to get a little bit more stability from that position in Brugman. But I think you're right, though. Like you're running at a back line who is not really proving the ability to defend. Um, I will say Bond had a really really nice night in goal for the Galaxy this or, yeah or this match, uh, but I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what Brookman gr- brings to try and cover that ground. It's, it's uh, just a matter of,
1: of, of numbers, right? If you if you have Oraho and Edwards constantly bombing up the line, um, and you're playing with a with a flat four in the middle where basically Ephra um and whoever's on the left side i think it was grant here this game uh, aren't really asked to do much in the middle of the field other than maybe press you know some of the outside backs i wonder i wonder if they're going to have enough to cover the middle of the field if you turn it over in transition that that'd be my concern um but i think it's worth it to to get the two strikers up top playing off each other occupying center backs, um, making runs to the back
0: post, I, th- I think it's worth it to to get some more creativity. Yeah, and you brought up uh, Efra, and I did want to note his performance because I think this is also probably the best use of him too, where he has a freer role and is able to pop up in good spots to create chances. Uh, in this match, uh, in the eighth minute, he was the one who... Is able to find a, a quick little dip over the back line uh, to set up Chicharito, uh, which it needs to be said, poor job defending from uh, Rudy Camacho, uh, but who, who kept Chicharito on sign. They totally lost sign, him on, yeah. the,
1: on the back post. Mm-hmm. Which, admittedly,
0: is what Chicharito does. Like he's so good at finding that blind spot. But and you could you could see it the entire time where he was basically just staring down Camacho to make sure that he was staying on side too, but he was just behind Waterman and it, it just, it was a really, really nice goal created by Ephra finding some space after switching sides. Uh, so really, really like that from Ephra. And I'm, I, I hope that they continue in this shape. Truly. Uh, I think that you're right to say that they need to get some organization between the, the fullbacks to say, you know, I stay, you go. You stay, I go. That kind of understanding, but I think that that'll come with time.
1: Agreed. Uh, be it'll be fun um, to watch for sure.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe some so. more
1: three three games
0: in the future with the galaxy. Yeah. Um. Did, was there anything in particular that you wanted to, or that you took away from Montreal on this match? I I personally I'll say outside of you do have a pretty strong back line that you started but i don't know i i i still hope that kamal miller comes back stronger uh you don't start toy you don't start uh Miljevic, you don't start obviously georgie uh i don't feel like there's a ton to take away from this match
1: Oh, um, that's fine I, I i don't think there's a ton to take away from this match in particular i, I... I do look at the standings though, and look at the top of the East, and Montreal, unfortunately, is the team that right now kind of stands out as the team that is probably not necessarily where where you would think or where you think they'd belong. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't see them as a top three or four team. And I think they're, I think Nancy's a good coach, and I think they're, you know, probably a playoff contending type team. Type team. But without Mihal- without Georgi Mihalovic, it's really a struggle for them. Um, even with Kyoto and and, and Kai, and, and this is this is in two thousand you know fourteen fifteen Kai, so it's not this match, but it is my feeling overall that I'm not confident in Montreal keeping that position or that sort of position in the standings.
0: We will have to keep an eye on that. I'm I'm if they can stay this competitive towards the top of the East, I would be pulling for Nancy to be coach of the year, truly. I think that he's been very, very important in this rebuild in Montreal, so that's where I'm really excited to see what what shakes out for Montreal, because you're right, they're they're outperforming expectations quite a bit, so we'll see if they're able to continue uh, that track. Um, We do have two other matches that we want to talk about, though, and we'll head now to the big apple. We'll go to Yankee stadium to see NYCFC two versus Atlanta two. Uh, There obviously four goals in this match, a lot to take away. Uh, It seemed like there could have been even more than that for New York in the first half though. What, what did you think of this match?
1: I thought this was probably the most uh, entertaining
0: match of the weekend or of the, of the match week.
1: Um, Really just kind of fun to watch you had a front four for atlanta that i think might have been the first if it wasn't the first they haven't played much together of joseph tiago amada arajo and moreno against the top four front four for new york of tati maxi santi rodriguez and Talis Magno. and you know i I'd, I'd watch a four on four game of those of those guys going at it so Oh my god. It's one of those games that you 50, you expect 50. to see some really some really good balls and and I thought both teams played really well. Um and Atlanta I think will be very happy um to get a point out of it considering, you know, who NYCFC is and that they're on the road and that they've Atlanta's kind of struggled recently. And this might be one of those performances that they can build on a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Running through the the goals in this match, we have a uh, a brace from Tati. Uh first one in the 37th minute from a absolutely gorgeous pass from Tass Magno who had come back to pick up the ball around midfield. Um he's able to uh, Tati makes an incredible run, splitting right between uh Campbell and uh Franco and just removes Franco from the play entirely and at that point he's already behind Campbell. Get, is able to create that space between Campbell and Rios Novo and slot it home really, really well from a tight angle. Uh, you would expect more from, from Alan Franco in this moment, though, don't you, don't you think? I don't know, man. That's,
1: th- this goal, I think, is one of those, you know, it doesn't look spectacular, but everything needed to be just perfect for it to happen. I mean, from the time that the ball is won in midfield and Magno picks it up, you know, he waves Mo- Maxi off, Um, And the ball, if it's weighted a little bit less, it gets cleared out. If it's weighted a little bit more, uh, Rios Novo comes out and gets it. So the ball has to be perfectly weighted. The run has to be perfectly timed because Tati was about a millimeter onside. So I, 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 sometimes you have to tip your cap and say, all right, that's, you know, that's two really quality players putting in a
0: really quality play. And all coming from, I believe, uh, Alfredo Morales turning over the ball in midfield to just just a gorgeous, gorgeous sequence of events to s- set up this goal. Uh, we uh, The next goal in this match was my goal for just... This is beautiful. Uh, this is Tago Almada serving a ball in for uh, Joseph Martinez, who's running in behind. And... Van Persie esque diving header to put it past Johnson. This this is where we're saying we're finally getting to see a full strength Atlanta front four and them starting to click is terrifying for future seasons. Uh, I, I think Atlanta is too hurt this season to make a great run, but gosh, if they can combine like that they're terrifying uh did you see anything in particular on this goal and just like you mentioned I mean, it takes
1: a ridiculous amount of talent to first put the ball where where it's put by amada and second to, to find that angle from joseph where it kind of loops around to the you know wow. back post of where, or where johnson's diving um you know he almost doesn't even get a i don't think he gets a good look at the, the goal when he hits it um it just shows you why in a split second those top quality players can change games and why you know guys like us and people that watch the league consistently expect atlanta to be near the top of the standings um, because you don't have talent like that on most teams in this league that's really you know top level it's a reason why they paid the money that they paid for for guys like that and you know unfortunately it hasn't quite worked out Throughout the season, whether through through injuries taking away chances to to build chemistry, or you know the midfield and back, which has been so hurt this year, uh, you know giving away goals when when the front group is is clicking. So hopefully we get to see more of
0: that the second half. Absolutely. Uh, then it, literally two minutes later, Tati. Uh, I believe at this point it was a ball that was uh, basically served over the top. Atlanta is not able to collect this. They're already facing their own goal, uh, and Tati's able to put it away through a scrambling Atlanta defense. And at this point, it's 2-1. You really are expecting New York City to be able to put this away. Uh, there, I don't know if there was too much to take away from this goal in particular. Did you think anything? It's
1: one of those classic, you know, Score a goal, get an emotional high and lose focus and before you know it, you're scrambling to clear your ball and you're scrambling against you know one of the best strikers and one of the best wingers in the in the league. so that's
0: you know it can happen quick, just like it happened the other way. Mm-hmm. Luckily for Atlanta though Dom Dwyer <laughs> a, a really turning back the clock for previous MLS seasons. Uh, picks up a ball, maybe, a, you know, 16 yards out from goal. Slots it away to salvage a point. Uh, it's this is, <laughs> It's one of those things where I'm always kind of forgetting that Dom Dwyer is still in this league, and then he po- uh, pops up in these massive moments to put away a, bo- uh, a needed goal. I, great for Atlanta to get this result on the road. Uh, again. I don't think there's a ton to take away from the goal itself, but from the performances, what did, what did you feel from New York City in this match? Um, it, was, it was okay. I thought they played pretty well,
1: um, but so did Atlanta, and I thought Atlanta deserved the point. I, I thought they were pushing um, the whole you know, last 30 minutes really you know forward and trying to, trying to find that equalizer. Um, so I think in the end the result was probably just and deserved. NYCFC, of course, will be disappointed, especially coming off a four-four draw where they were up four-three. Now another, another you know draw where they're up late, and since Cushing's come in, um, no wins yet. So I think if if this game was you know taken in its on its own its I thought they, you know, NYC played pretty well and maybe got, you know, gave as good as they got, but considering where they've been the last four or five games, again, um, you start feeling the pressure of getting that first win under the first under your new coach. Um, maybe, you know, you get one and then the floodgates open, but right now they're, they're waiting around and they went from a comfortable position first in the East to, I believe they're now third. Um, or tied for third. I'm not sure exactly. Um, fourth, tied. So, oh, fourth. So tied for third,
0: just behind Montreal. So yep. on points per
1: game, they're they're ahead of both Montreal and Philadelphia, but on outright points, um, yeah, they're tied for third. So regardless, they they've come down from where they were a couple of weeks ago, and even though I thought they played
0: pretty well, they they kind of need to shore up a little bit and see these games out. Obviously, there's also still the the looming factor of at some point somebody's going to match that that asking price for Tati, and it could really open things up for for New York to to have some major issues. I, I still think Ever can hopefully step up. He was incredible when he first came into this league and was actually keeping Tati on the bench or pushed out to the wing, but if they don't start clicking soon, they're going to have dropped too many points and they're going to be looking more towards a, a fourth place finish than a first. And I think that we would expect a little bit more, uh, from this team. Uh, and I will say, I still truly think that they should have won this match. If they could just put a couple of clear, uh, of goals away in the first half. Um, there were a pair of clearances off the line, uh, they had, I think, two shots off the post, uh, and <laughs> Maxie had a, a beautiful, perfect, perfect chip over the uh, goalkeeper from about 35 yards or something like that that just did not quite dip enough. I I think that they have so many opportunities that they need to start finishing those because they're creating chances they just need that last instance to click and and you're right you know at that point the floodgates open if they can get that first win under Cushing uh but
1: you know it that, did not
0: happen this time around last season they had a had a dip
1: what maybe a month or two before the end of the regular season where there was a Hudson River Derby which I, I, off the top of my head I can't remember if it was a draw or if the Red Bulls won it, but basically they were at the playoff line like seventh or so with like six or seven games to go. And then from there on went on a huge run and of course um, ended up winning winning MLS Cup. So they have the talent to go on these major runs like we saw a few weeks ago. Um, it's just not really clicking at this specific moment. I think we'll see it again, uh, you know, before the season's over where they go on these you know, four or five game runs where they're blowing teams out again.
0: Uh, Was there anything in particular that you took away from Atlanta? I, I, they're just a a tough team to read just for sake of they've missed so many minutes from major, major players. Uh, Was there anything that you took away from them in this? I really like the interplay that they had between Araujo and Joseph,
1: basically that whole front four. And I think you can do that tight spaces in Yankee Stadium against a pretty good NYCFC team that bodes well. It's just a matter, as it has been for Atlanta, keeping guys healthy and on the field together. If they can stay healthy, you saw, you see flashes of what they can do. Uh, they just need to play more together. Um, and that's really going to be a deciding factor. They've already had so many injuries. Uh, most of the backlined and midfield ones are, you know, major ones if they can keep the front line together that might be enough to to get them above the line but they've got a they, they've got a long way to go they're they're 11th right now so they they need to keep that four together and i think they've got enough, enough to to jump above
0: but if not then they're going to struggle um, if they can find some some way to fill a hole in midfield that i i think it's obviously what Ozzy alonso was brought in to to do for them if they can find some way to get even of, of the defensive production that he would bring. I think that they can make that push because you're right. They have so much talent going forward. Um, but they just, they need a little bit more stability at the back. And I, I hope that they can do that because I love watching this team click. So we will see. Um, but we'll head over now to one other two, two draw this one, just a little bit further to the Northeast, new England, taking on fc cincinnati um this one was a, this was a really exciting game personally uh, we see two playoff teams going at it uh cincinnati currently in fifth new england in seventh following the match uh this is a pretty high level match truly um we have goals from dylan barrera on 30th minute and uh Brandon Vasquez in the forty-first in the first half or for the first half, and at this point, it's it seems like it could go either way. Truly, um, I I to shout out Dylan Barrero because he's a signing that I did not really know anything about when he's coming in, but he has clicked quickly, and I think they've really needed to get that kind of of production off the wing. So uh, was there. Tell me what you saw in the first half. Were there anybody, any other players that you wanted to shout out? I think, I think Barrero is a good a good shout
1: because if you remember a couple of weeks ago, or maybe you know a couple months ago, maybe we were discussing about the Revs and their struggles and what what they were missing from from last season, and we we had discussed Matt Turner being out um, and Books potentially leaving, but you know one of the things we highlighted was Tejon Buchanan being out. Um, and how much they missed his explosiveness and his productivity off the wing. And here you saw with Barrero basically like for like replacement, uh, with Buchanan. And that gives the Revs another quality. It gives heel more space to work in the middle because teams are worried about that threat down the wing. Um, so I think that's Barrero's a good shout for, for what we saw. And I hope he's okay because. He came off at halftime with what seemed like maybe, you know, a neck or or head type injury. So I I hope it's not too severe because I'm enjoying watching him, you know, integrate into that team and into the league. Absolutely.
0: And one quick correction on myself. Uh, It was not a goal for Brandon Vasquez, who uh, this is coming off of a corner from Lucho. Lucho just with pace, maybe four yards from goal. It's actually Henry Kessler who gets, uh, credit for an own goal in this instance. Yeah, but Vasquez was there. Uh, I, I mean, it was,
1: it's one of those where both yeah. heads are together and it happens to come off the defender. Um, so, you
0: know. Not, not just, uh, initially, to they, they called it a Vasquez goal do. anyway. Yeah. Um, looking towards the second half then, uh, once again, we see New England come forward uh, and they get the ball out to Emma Boateng who had come on for Barrero at this point and like shame on Cincinnati on this one this is <laughs> so much space for Boateng who obviously is probably not a starting level player in MLS at this point in time but we know that he has talent and that he can produce really really good stuff coming in off the wing uh, he sets up Gustavo Bo for a great, great headed goal over Salentano in goal for Cincinnati. Uh, this one really, really nice from the revs to recognize that Cincinnati was giving them too much space. Uh, and it's at this point, I was really kind of thinking that the reds were going to go ahead and, and really put the, the pedal through the floor and keep on moving forward. But uh, looking forward into the seventh third minute though, They undo themselves. Uh, Petrovic uh, dishes out to Damian Rivera, who uh, is almost immediately dispossessed about 25 yards from goal. Acosta is able to pick up the ball at the top of the box. He holds on just long enough for Brenner to pass on his left, who then quickly tucks the ball away past Petrovic. Uh, This one... (laughs) We're now at 2-2. It's... Really, really fun soccer to watch, truly. And I think this one, this second half is where I started to see that front three of Brenner, Acosta, Vasquez click so well, and it's it's fun to watch. Yeah, and I said it a couple of weeks ago about
1: a draw that Cincinnati had at Philadelphia one-one. Um, then you know they beat Orlando at home draw New York City and then now go to New England and, and draw 2-2 on the road. Those are, you know, four of the better teams in the East or, you know, I'm not sure about Orlando right now, but in general, you know, you, you're thinking those are playoff teams and they're getting results and wins. Um, and this, this game, they did it without Boboto, who's their DP six, um, who we've given a lot of credit for solidifying them. So. Definitely not, you know, 2021-2020 FC Cincinnati much better and producing really fun soccer. And I'm I'm hoping that this Sergio Santos move, uh, that it's getting reported today, doesn't spell the end for for Brenner. I I had not heard that. Sorry. So from what I understand, and I think it's already finalized, um since he is trading for sergio santos i think it's 350 in gam um it might not be fa- finalized but it's it's in the works and Interesting. You know, i i think sergio santos is a good change of pace player um i have issues with his finishing um at times um although he creates uh, a ton of problems for for defenses sometimes but i just hope it's not the end of brenner already Uh, because he's just starting to come around and I really want to see how that how that front three works out for for the rest of the season so I think I'm hoping that Albright and Noonan are bringing in a guy that they know from Philly to you know come off the bench and and you know spell some time for for Vasquez and for Brenner and not necessarily because they're already thinking about um setting Brenner at this point
0: wow I I'm kind of in shock that's I, I'm right there with you. I really hope that Brenner is able to stay with this team for a little bit because I really like that front three when they're playing in that uh, 3 4 1 2. Uh, I, wow, I'm kind of all over the place now. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: it, 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 Sergio Santos, I actually think, looking to another player in this match, I I find him really, really similar to Gustavo Bo in the way that they're both like internal wingers who kind of are have been forced to play a little bit closer to goal i I am really interested in that move and how that works with Vasquez because I think of the Chabilco Santos um, matchup, and I feel like that's a pretty good analog uh right, but then are you are you sitting Vasquez Santos yeah and that's where
1: and that's where I'm you know hoping that that's not the case i I, I want to see. Maybe, you know, Cincinnati might be thinking, all right, we paid a bunch of money up front for Brenner. Um, It hasn't really worked out. He's starting to cook now and showing some of that potential. Maybe we can get, you know, most of that or all of that feedback um, in this July transfer window. I hope that's not the case because I want to see what this team does with those three up front. Um, And I think Sergio Santos is a good change of place player off the bench. So that would be, you know, kind of what I'm rooting for. but. I don't know if that's
0: the plan. Yeah, we will have to see. Was there anything else that you took away from Cincinnati in this match? No, just
1: just the fight, just the fact that you know, they were down twice on the road against a good team and are able to come back and get a point. Um, and it just reiterates over and over that um, this team might be for real, uh, especially compared with what you had before. So I now what on like the week four or five of my newfound love affair with FC Cincinnati, uh, which I was not on that train before. So well on them.
0: I think they've done a really good job. Um, and I know you've got to head out before too long. Uh, so I wanted to see, was there anything else that you took away from the revs in this match?
1: I think, you know, we mentioned, uh, you know, Turner being gone. I think Petrovich has shown he's probably a good replacement. We mentioned Buchanan being gone. I think, Um, you know, we see Barrero as a probably a good replacement. Now books is gone. Now they filled in, you know, with Giacomo Vironi seems like he's coming in for that role. So a lot of the big concerns that we had about the revs, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, seem to be getting um, addressed. Just, you know, sloppy. Some of the regression to the main stuff. I think last year, Mm -hmm. do you lose the ball, you know, 25 yards out? Probably not, because things, you know, when things are going your way, um, you know, that ball kind of bounces off in the other direction and is not really getting the same luck. But you're 10 unbeaten, uh, you're above the playoff line and you have reinforcements. So I think we're seeing that the Revs are probably a top four team in the East again by the time of the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what they have in Brioni, uh, who's coming in from Juventus. Um, so, uh, <laughs> a lot of Italy to, uh, MLS connections being made, although Vrioni himself is Albanian. Uh, but I'm really interested to see, we're finally getting that opportunity to have those roles filled. Like you said, Turner for Petrovic now, uh, Barrero for Buchanan, who they really have suffered from not having that kind of production. They had Let uh, who was in this match, but... Again, has not really found that final pass uh, this season quite yet. Um, I was uh, listening to Tom Bo- uh, Bogert's podcast uh, today, though. Apparently, there is some interest around Dewan Jones, and I'm a little bit concerned because they get some really, really good defense out of him. They get some really, really uh, good production. So if they lose uh, Dewan Jones, I'm... I'm concerned
1: yeah come to the, I don't even know who the backup left back is for New England now that you mentioned it' how solid he's yeah, he, how how much he's been in the team and how solid he's been so um, uh, that's that's a good a good point. I, I wouldn't even know where to start with that
0: to be honest but I think that those are the matchups that we really wanted to dig into to prepare us for the upcoming uh, rivalry week. Uh, We will have, obviously, some really big matches coming up um, in uh, uh, El Trafico, which is tomorrow on Friday. We'll have the the Cascadia Cup between Seattle and Portland. We'll see uh, NYCFC go back to New England for a a playoff replay. A lot of massive matches coming up in Major League Soccer. We're also going to start seeing some of these big signings that um, had come into the league start to get or be available for play. Uh, I think Bale is still out of the country. Last I had seen reported, but we will have Chiellini available for El Trafico tomorrow. Uh, A lot to like a lot more coming in major league soccer. Andres, any last words? Oh, I'm good, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I think with that, we'll say enjoy life, enjoy the beautiful game, and we'll see you next time.